Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. lift up a praise for our defender, our great king, our not just king, but a king of kings and a lord of lords. Well, it is good to be in the house of God. Look at your neighbor and just say, it's good to celebrate Jesus today. Come on, we're in a season of gratitude. Just look at somebody and say, I'm grateful for Jesus today. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. How privileged we are today to be able to gather. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly that we get the ability to gather with the body of Christ. We are privileged and make no mistake about it. We gather for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to lift up our great defender, Jesus Christ. Anybody came to lift up Jesus in this room? Come on, I know it's the 9.30 service. Wipe that coal out your eye. Let's, let's get involved here. We are here to worship Jesus. And we, we worship Jesus in a few ways here. For those of you who are first-time visitors, I see so many new faces. It's good to see y'all. Uh, we worship Jesus through singing. So we want to celebrate Jesus. We want to dance. This was a club. This area we are in, it was twerking and popping bottles and here we are worshiping our great defender we get to celebrate Jesus so we do so through singing uh, we also do so just by gathering with the body of Christ and fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters some of us haven't seen each other in so long and uh, so we, we we worship Jesus and honor him by getting together with the body and third and I would say most importantly we gather for the preaching of the word of God Deuteronomy 8 3 says man can't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the most climactic moment of our service, of our gathering, is for us to hear from God. Is that all right? Y'all do me a favor. Grab your Bibles and let's get to the word. If you're excited about it, go to 2 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you remember last week, we were in 1 Samuel. Uh, I don't think the Lord is getting us out of these books, but get to 2 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 23. I hope everybody's well. hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you are well rested. Um, Thanksgiving certainly was a, a I, I mean, I'm still recovering from a food coma. Uh, I hurt myself. The mac and cheese slapped this year in ways that it just hasn't slapped before. And the, the yams and the, the stuffing, I, I'll say it until the day I die. My mother-in-law makes the best stuffing. I know yours is good. My mother-in-law makes the best stuffing, and uh, we are literally, you know, we spend a lot of time with family. I'm literally just driving up this morning from Jersey, which is where my parents and my in-laws live, and all the family got together. And we, we don't just do Thanksgiving on Thursday, but it's, it's Friday. It's a whole other celebration. That's when we drop the second turkey into the deep fryer. And then we do Saturday, and we play games, and we eat food, and we play games, and we eat food, and we, you know we rest. You know you sleep. You know, after Thanksgiving, it's that nap with your mouth open. That's a, that's a different level of nap. There's nap and then there's mouth open nap, and that's what you get on Thanksgiving. But uh, it, is, it is certainly good to be back. I have, I have recovered from my food coma, and I'm excited about the word today and preaching the word. Just a quick reminder, as Gabe was saying, we are still in phase one of our transition. 
Uh, by God's grace, he has gifted us this building. Hello, Brooklyn. He has gifted us this building. We want to honor Jesus and all that we do with it. And so uh, we are um, meeting up here temporarily. We're doing registration temporarily. We cannot house everybody in one service or even in two services and we have to cap it for legal reasons. And so we are meeting up here now. And then we have another service right after you guys. And then uh, in the next four to five months, uh, hopefully no longer than six months, we're going to transition. Our sanctuary will be fully renovated downstairs. And then we'll start renovations up here. And just want to remind you to just keep your hand to the plow. Those of you who are serving, those of you who are not serving, we definitely need help. Sometimes you come to a church and you're like, oh, they're good. They, they, don't, they don't need anything. No, we need, <laughs> we need help. And so if you have any giftings, please bring them to the table. Uh, your resources are always a blessing. Uh, we steward God's resources uh, to the best of our ability. And so when you give, uh, we make sure that it is stewarded well for the building of the kingdom so that we can reach Brooklyn. How many of y'all seen the sign outside just passing by? You, you just were driving and you passed by and you saw it. Amen. It's, uh, it, it, we're trying to be as warm as possible and, and, and say hello to Brooklyn, but at the same time invite you to come on in to experience Jesus uh, with the body of Christ. All right, let's get to it. Are y'all there, Second, second uh, Samuel 23? Come on, y'all talk back. Y'all there? Yeah. All right, all right. This is a conversation. I'm talking, y'all talking back, and it does not throw me off. It pushes me. All right, verse 13. So. A little bit of an unfamiliar passage. Some of y'all said David was your favorite leader. Um, let's, let's check this passage out. Verse 13, and three of the 30 chief men went down to the cave about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the, uh, the garrison of the Philistines was at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, you should underline this phrase or highlight it in your phone. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. And then the 30 uh, and then three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. But he would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should drink the blood of men who at the risk of their who went at the risk of their lives. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. I want to preach today from the topic entitled misguided loyalty. Misguided loyalty. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we would be remiss if we didn't pause for a second and. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Every week we gather and you speak to us. Lord, I, I, don't, I don't want that to become common. That every week we gather, you feed us and you give us what we need, not just for the week, but for life. And so, Father, I pray that this Sunday would be no different. Holy Ghost, would you be present? I can't preach without you. We can't hear without you. And so, Father, would you move on the hearts of your people as we dig into your word? May I be faithful to the text, add nothing to it. Take nothing away. It don't need help. Your word is sufficient. Your word is reliable. Your word is infallible. It's without error. It's, it's without contradiction. It stood the test of time. It 
It, it, it transcends uh, groups and transcends generations and transcends centuries. And Father, your word meets us here on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, New York in 2021. Speak to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Misguided loyalty. Uh, it was 1992, maybe 93, I'm not 100% sure, when a few friends and I began to um, co connect ourselves and start to play basketball consistently. And there was one time we went down, I grew up in Jersey, in the central part of Jersey, Neptune, New Jersey, and we went down to uh, what's called Green Grove Basketball Court. And when we got to Green Grove Basketball Court, I saw my brother-in-law, who was a few years older than me, but not much, much older than me, and he was there with his friends, but... They weren't playing basketball. They, they weren't on the court. Court was packed. But if you looked on the outskirts of the court, my brother-in-law was there with a group of his friends, and they were doing something that I typically didn't see you do at the basketball court. They were drinking 40s. Y'all know what a 40 is? 440 is a hood drink. It, it, it's, it's Old English and St. Ives and Billy D. Williams made Colt 45. Uh, somebody said, yeah, you said, yeah, too a little hard there. It's disgusting malt liquor is, is what it is. A, a, a 40 is, is what you call a hood drink. You don't drink a 40 just walking down the street. You put it in a brown paper bag. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just telling you what they do in the hood. You put it in a brown paper bag and they drink some. But my brother-in-law and them, they weren't just drinking 40s. They were standing around the court and right before they drank it, they remembered a friend and their connections and their clique and their crew that recently died. And so they took some of that drink, that 40, and they said, let's pour some out for the big homie. And they begin to pour a little bit of the drink out. Now, I had never seen this before. In fact, I've never seen it in person. I only saw it on Boys in the Hood. And uh, I think they did that in uh, Austin Powers as well. They just poured a little bit of the drink out for the homie. And this act of pouring liquor out on the ground really is a sign of reverence for someone who just died. That's what they do in the hood. This is a sign of a, of a way of honoring a friend or honoring a family member or honoring a loved one that had just passed away. And we come to a passage where David is going to participate in this act of libation. He's going to pour some out for the homie, but he's not going to do so with a 40. He, he's not honoring a friend that just died. He is honoring God. He is pouring some drink out as a, what they call a drink offering. And this idea of pouring a little bit of your drink out or pouring all of it out really is a biblical, I mean, this is laced in the scriptures. Can, can I just give you a, a couple of quick scriptures? If you're writing them, write this down real quick. Genesis 35, verse 14, it says, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it. Exodus chapter 29, same thing happens. It says, and with the first lamb of the tenth of measure, a fine oil mingled with a fourth of hen and beaten oil, he, and, and a fourth of hen of wine, he poured some out as a drink offering. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, same thing happens. For I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. Even Jesus, even Jesus at the Last Supper does this. In Luke chapter 22, the Bible says that uh, Jesus even talks about how he is going to be poured out as a drink offering. So in other words, all of the Old Testament that was pointing to this idea of what we call libations, you pouring out uh, a drink offering, Jesus says that's actually pointing to me because when I get on the cross, I'm going to pour out my blood. But I'm going to pour out my blood on behalf of those who have trusted in me. I am going to cover their sins, which is why when he's on the cross, 
and he's pierced in his side. The Bible says water and blood come flowing out of him. He was basically saying, I am your drink offering. And so, yeah, we might think that this idea of pouring some out for the homie was originated in the hood, but I would argue that it was originated in the scriptures, and David, in our text today, pours some out. He doesn't only pour some out, he pours it all out. And he does so as what they call a drink offering. Now, there's some biblical characters here. There's 30 men that are all stuck into this cave, and three of those 30 men are devote. They're, they're loyal to David. And I would actually go so far as to say they're not just loyal to King David, They have misguided loyalty. They are too loyal. Their their allegiance is too much. What do I mean by that? They're too loyal to a mere man. They're too devote to a mere man. And now I have to lay some foundation. So listen, y'all don't don't do me wrong. Y'all don't check out on me. Verses 13, probably to about verse 15. I just got to do a lot more teaching and explaining than I normally do. But y'all act like this is the Super Bowl and y'all are just so excited to receive the word. I just, yeah, yeah, come on. Just keep that same energy as we kind of, as we kind of teach a little bit through the text. Don't check out. Verse 13 says, and three of the 30 chief men went down to the cave, uh, went down and came about harvest time to David to the cave of Abdullam when a band of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. It says, then David was in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines or the Philistines were at the gate of Bethlehem. David is confined right now to a cave. This is not the first time David was in this cave. If you do a cross-reference and 1 Samuel, the the book before this, 1 Samuel 22, he's running from King Saul. And while he's running, he runs into the cave of Abdullam. So so he's he's familiar with this cave. This is a familiar, he knows the crevices, he knows where the cuts are. And so in in the heat of battle, him and his men run into the cave. And you should be asking the question right now that I was asking earlier this week. Why is the king in the cave? You're, You're the king of Israel. You're the king of the Lord's army. Why are you hiding in a cave? Well, many times Israel often fought with the Philistines. Y'all remember last week when he fought with one Philistine where he took the slingshot and he killed uh, Goliath. But after that, many times when he became king, many times they fought with the Philistines. Well, in this battle, they're not doing too well. In In this particular battle, David and his men begin to retreat and they retreat inside of this cave and While he's in the cave, David is longing for a drink. And this is so interesting to me because David is not just longing for a drink. He's longing for a drink at Bethlehem. Bethlehem is his birthplace. The Bible says that at Bethlehem, in the text today, that the Philistines are not just surrounding the cave, but they're in Bethlehem, 12 miles away. And they're surrounding Bethlehem because they know David might go there. Y'all getting quiet on me. I'm trying to teach here. And not only that, they're in a cave, and it's the hottest time of the year. The Bible says that it's harvest time. Did you read that? And th- three of the, of, of the chief men went down and came about harvest time. Harvest time is the hottest time of the year. I'm trying to lay this out for you. Check this out. He's extremely hot because it's harvest time. He's stuck in a cave. The battle is not going well, and he's thirsty. And the only place to get the crispest drinking water is in Bethlehem. But in Bethlehem, Philistines are surrounding the gate so that nobody can go in. What do you do when you have no options? 
What do you do when the odds are stacked against you? What do you do when it looks like it's time to give up? That is the exact situation that David finds himself in. And while he's there and contemplating his next move, he utters a wish, a craving, a simple desire, not a command, a desire. But while he's in the cave and he's stuck there surrounded by the Philistines, the Bible says, he says in verse 15, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well at Bethlehem that is by the gate. Please know that David knew that this was impossible. How do you get out of a cave that's surrounded? How do you travel 12 miles and then get water, uh, fight your way into Bethlehem, get water, travel back? How, how do you, David knew that this was impossible. And so David is not giving a command here. David is not giving orders. This is not marching orders from David. David is not giving a directive. He is not saying, go to Bethlehem to get me water. He is simply long. It was like, you know, when on Thanksgiving when, when, you know, when somebody was cooking or maybe it was you cooking and you smelt the aromas in the house and you couldn't eat yet because it wasn't time. And, you know, your family members always late. You couldn't eat yet. And you were just going, oh, God, I'm longing for this food. That is what David is doing. He's just simply desiring this drink. He's craving the drink and you know, maybe David was reminiscing, because David's from Bethlehem, maybe he's reminiscing of times where he was tending to the sheep in Bethlehem, and he was thirsty, and he would go sit by this well, and he would drink of its water. Certainly, this water was familiar. No doubt he had passed this well all the time. No doubt he had drank from this well all the time. But now that he's stuck in a cave, he's longing for it. He's desiring it. He wants it. There's nothing else in the world that he wants more than this water. And I'm sitting here going, David, you should just desire water. Why are you desiring water specifically from Bethlehem? Well, I realize that all water is not created equal. I need somebody that has ever drank Nestle water to say all water is not. Nestle is like, it's thick. It's like chewing water. I need somebody that's ever drank Dasani water. Disgusting. There's there's a a water in Florida. I don't know. It's like Zephyr something. It's nasty. It's thick. Oh, it's nasty water, though. I'm not coming from Florida. It's nasty water, though. It's not Fiji water. It's not Essentia alkaline water. What's that uh, that, that, uh, that, that Willow Smith, not Willow Smith, uh, Jaden Smith water? It's not that water. This is a different type of water and, you know... I told Gabe one time, I was like, man, listen, man, water ain't created equal. So he played this game. This is when we were in the pandemic. We missed y'all so much. We just had to play games to fill the void of not having y'all in the room. So one Sunday after we did service, you remember that, Chris? We sat down and, and, and Gabe put out all these cups of water. And he was like, guess which one? He had the whole thing created, a whole game. He was the host. And, you know, we got him wrong. But one thing I did get right, that they all tasted different. So David right now is longing not just for water. For a specific water. He's longing for a crisp water, a familiar water. And while he's longing for this water, he has devout men that overhear it. Again, not a command. This is not a directive. They overhear David say in verse 15, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well at Bethlehem that is by the gate. It says in verse 16, then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well at Bethlehem by the gate. Watch this. And carried and brought it back to David. Please peep what's happening. He's in the cave. He's hot. He's thirsty. And he simply utters a wish. I wish that I had this water. Three men overhear it. They don't ask him. 
They don't say, can you give us consent? Can you affirm this mission? They simply sneak out. Fight off Philistines. Understand how hard this is. Fight off the Philistines in the front of the cave. Travel 12 miles. Fight off the Philistines in Bethlehem. Grab water. Don't miss this. Carry it back 12 miles without spilling it. Uh, you know, when I was reading this, I was thinking about, I don't know if y'all ever seen The Golden Child, where Eddie Murphy was trying to, with the, he was trying to get the Desanti uh, dagger, and he, he's carrying, and he comes back. Y'all ever seen that movie? And he comes back with the water. There is a floor, Monty. Y'all, don't, y'all never seen it. Okay. I, I just keep going. And he, he carried, y'all need to watch. It's a great movie. He has to carry this water back through this maze without spilling it. Without, you know, there was no ground, and he's walking on these things, and he's just trying to not spill. That's what I think of when I think of these men. Mind you, they have to fight their way back in the cave. How do you fight your way back in the cave without spilling a drop of the water? This is loyalty. Might be misguided, but this is loyalty. They heard a wish. And they went into action because they wanted to fulfill the wish of their king. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had as much loyalty to our king as these men had to their king? Wouldn't it be wonderful if, you know, he's uttering a wish, but Jesus gives us commands, yet we ignore them. We have the Bible that is filled with commands. We have a Bible that's filled with instructions. There's 66 books in the Bible written by over 40 different authors on three different continents all about Jesus. But it's giving us the the blueprint, the, the instructions for our life. And yet, David utters a wish. Our king gives us commands and we ignore them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we desired to be like these three men in the text that weren't loyal to a man, though, but was loyal to David's king, the king of kings. Well, Pastor B, what are the, what are the instructions? Well, what are the desires of our king? He desires that we would walk up right before him. He desires that we would have deep loyalty to him and him alone. He desires that we would grow year over year, week over week, day over day. Don't think that because you trusted Jesus 20 years ago, if you were the same spiritual maturity you were 20 years ago, something's wrong. He desires spiritual growth. He desires that you would gather with the body. He desires that you would give of time. He desires that you would give of resources. He desires that you you wouldn't spend all of your energy making your job better. But he is like, how are you building the kingdom? He desires that you would be salt and light. He did not place you in that neighborhood or in that family just for you to be there. But he placed you there so that you would be salt and light. He desires for us to look like him. I get frustrated because I look at not just Christians around me, but sometimes my life, and I realize I'm not as loyal to my king as these three are to David, where David utters a wish and they run into action. But I'm looking in this next season for those of us who have, are professing believers that we would be loyal to Christ. There used to be a song called Loyalty to Christ. It says, on to victory, on to victory. Our great commander on uh, will soon possess the land and it will do so at his command. Tis loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Anybody loyal to Jesus and Jesus alone in here? I need you to make some noise. If you are loyal to Jesus, Jesus alone. Unfortunately, many of us are more loyal to mere men. We are loyal to jobs. We are loyal to church, not Jesus. We are loyal to pastors, 
not Jesus. I saw a video of, of a young man being lifted up on a chair, a pastor being paraded around the church. The devil is a liar. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, loyal followers of Jesus and Jesus alone, not mere men. So David sees this. That these men are loyal to him. I'm just curious, like, if God tells you to do something, even though you don't want to do it, what is your next move? God says, make this move, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. God, what is, don't act like you're always in cahoots with God. Don't act like God tells you to make a left, and you're like, yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Now, sometimes you're like, God, that ain't where I want to go. That ain't my direction. I, I can tell you now, I know y'all do vision boards. Church planning, starting the church wasn't on the vision board for me and Ty. That just wasn't there. We, we, we didn't think that was the direction for our lives. We were going to school. We, we had both had careers. Church planning and starting a church was not on the list, but we'll move at his command. When he calls, you should do something. The Lord is calling some of y'all to do something. And y'all know it. You, you know it. You, you, you've been praying about it. You've been, you've been at, you're procrastinating, but you're, like, you're calling it prayer. I'm just kind of waiting. No, he's already told you what to do. Today, you're here for me to kind of give you a swift kick in the butt. Do what Jesus tells you to do. When he says move, you got to move just like that. Come on, somebody. Loyalty to Christ. These men risk their lives. What are you willing to risk? They risk everything. They could be killed in this mission, bringing their king water what are you willing to bring to Jesus, and are you risking your life? If you're not risking your life, I would argue that we are not serving Jesus the way these men served their king. We're not risking it all. Full allegiance to Jesus Christ. So David's men, they, they hear this request. They travel 24 miles, 12 there, 12 back, and they fight, and they're probably, they're probably bloody. They're probably, they're probably thirsty themselves, and finally they get back. To the, to the cave, and you would think David is excited, and David is ready, and he's going to drink the water, and verse 16 says, he would not drink of it. Watch this. He poured it out. Like, first of all, I, see, this is why I couldn't be David's boy. Like, because we're in chapter 23 right now. Chapter 24 would record his funeral. Like, it, you, I'm not going to travel and then get all this water and fight all these people to bring it back for you to take the water in my face and pour it out. Many people would think that this is a sign of disrespect. This is absurd. This is insulting. But I would argue that David is not being disrespectful. Actually, the opposite. He is being very honoring. And he's not just honoring these men. He's honoring the, 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 the God that these men serve. The Bible says that he pours out the water because the gift of water acquired at such a great cost represented something so precious. And David knew that he himself wasn't worthy of it. I don't miss this. This gift of risking your life meant that you were really trying to honor David. And David is like, I ain't worthy of this type of honor. I'm not, not worthy of this type of loyalty. I'm not worthy of this type of praise. But I know somebody who is worthy of this type of praise. Notice that David does not just pour out the water. It says that he poured it out to the Lord. And so David took their misguided loyalty and pointed them to where their loyalty should lie. You brought this water here thinking, I'm a drinking, but I ain't worthy of it. But the one that is worthy, of it, he is going to be born in Bethlehem. The one that is worthy of it, he's not going to drink of a well. He is the well. 
The one that is coming after me is greater than me. And David is like, don't you dare give me this type of loyalty. Don't you dare give me this type of allegiance. Don't you dare risk your life for mere men like me. You risk your life for Jesus and Jesus alone. And so he taught them a great lesson here. The Bible says that he looks at them. He doesn't even, like, you would think it would be nice and honoring if he said, you know what? You drink the water. He doesn't do that. David could have took a sip of the water because he longed for it. He could have took a sip of it and then poured the rest out. He doesn't even do that. He says the one that we serve is worthy of all of it. You know, some of us in this room, I don't know why I feel led to go here, but some of us in this room, we used to have that type of a disposition where we were fully devoted to Christ. We were fully loyal to Christ. We would, not, we, we would not take any glory. We would not be glory thieves. We would not steal the glory of God. No, we would pour it all out. But after a while, begin to take a sip of his glory. After a while, you begin to take a little bit of a gulp. And then that sip turned into half the glass. And then half the glass turned into the full glass. I don't know who I'm talking to in here. But somebody, you're here today to get back on track. You're here today to get back aligned with loyalty and obedience to God. Please don't, don't get it twisted. We are not in here to wax eloquent over theology. Theology is not the means to the end. Obedience and loyalty is the means to the end. We get in the word of God so that we can walk out of here and be more loyal and, and, and diligent in our serving of Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible says David took this water and he poured it out. How can you give your time and, and your life to the Lord? How can you pour something out by giving of your, your body and your finances and your time and your identity and your job and your relationship? Here it is. He wants all of you. Because we've subscribed to compartmentalized Christianity. We give Jesus all of us on Sunday. We, we give, you know, we, as Chris is singing, we're all across the desert and I'll, I'll travel near and far wide for you. But Monday through Saturday, we live a different life. And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about all of us. None of us have graduated from kneeling at the cross of Jesus Christ. Too many of us are standing proud. We, we made it in by grace, through faith, in Jesus. The Bible says that. He poured it out. When I think about my brother-in-law and, and them standing around the court and them pouring some out for the homie, they, they were doing so for somebody that died. I don't know if we see the gospel spewed all over. The, the, the reason we pour out our life is because Jesus is worthy of it. Why? Because he died. I heard Ty say earlier that he died the death that we could not die. He lived the life that we could not live. Jesus accomplished on the cross what you and I could never accomplish forever in hell, which is satisfying the wrath of God. And so that Jesus, the one that, that, that went on a cross and traded his salvation and his righteousness for our sin and our shame, that one deserves our full allegiance. Anybody want to be loyal to Jesus in here? Anybody understand that Jesus died for our sins so that we could live for him, stop drinking of a drink that's his. Stop sipping of a drink that's his. Stop gulping of a drink that's his. Will you risk your life for him? Will you give him that career? Will you give him that degree? Will you give him that relationship? See, that's where we really get unloyal. You can play something soft. This is where we really get unloyal, Josh. It's in relationships. Not just relationships, but even sometimes marriages. Like, I love Ty, but she's not my king. I'm not her king. 
would, I would be a weak king. I would be a feeble king. I'm not almighty. I'm not all-knowing. But I know somebody who is. We are strengthened because our relationship both in between us is Jesus and Jesus alone. We have both made an, an agreement to be in covenant with one another, but the greatest agreement is covenant with Jesus. And that keeps our covenant strong. Who is it in this room that you've, you started walking loyal to him and then you fell off somewhere? Or, or maybe you're just kind of in the life where you, you get to drink and you drink it. You don't give him any of it. He doesn't get any of your time pandemic has robbed us but today is the day you can get it together see that's what I love about Jesus that he always gives us opportunities to fix it those of us who have wandered off and don't ever think that you are so spiritual that you can't wander off Chris we can all wander off but I love Luke 15 the Bible says that when we wander off Jesus tells a story that he goes after that one grabs it and he puts it on his shoulders and brings it back because that's his. Every head bow and every eye closed. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for somebody today that has misguided loyalty. If you're honest, if you're honest on any level, you begin to be loyal to something else. Where Jesus got all of you, you begin to give him some of you, part of you. Who is it in this room that would say, that's me? Pastor B, I hear you. That, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of living in both worlds. I got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. He wants full allegiance. He doesn't want misguided loyalty. He wants full loyalty. Can I pray for you today? If that's you, if you just raise your hand. If that's you, you're like, I, I've been a little misguided. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I've been misguided. Maybe it's some of you that are serving. I want to be like... Deep inside, I want to be loyal, but I've kind of been misguided. I'm not even going to call you up today. I see those hands. I'm just going to pray for you. And then after we pray and after we go into this next worship song, in fact, y'all can come on up, worship team. After we go into the next worship song, we'll, we'll end, but Pastor Timmy's going to come up and give us some instructions. Over to my left will be somewhere where you could pray. If that's you, if you're raising your hand, you're going, that's me. We got somebody that will be over here. Our deacons will be over here to my left to pray with you in a safe way and make sure that if you have questions or what are next steps, how can I give, how can I get more loyal? We have next steps for you today. You didn't come here by accident. You came here so that you can get it right. Father, we thank you for each and every person that's here. These men were loyal. They were loyal to David. David said, oh, I'm not worthy of that. And so, Father, we want to we be as loyal as these men are to a man. We want to be that much more loyal to you. David didn't die for their sins, but you did. Died for our sins. You gave your life. And you did so willingly, not begrudgingly. You weren't angry. You weren't upset. The Bible says, with the joy set before you, you went and endured the cross and then gave us your righteousness. Father, we thank you, and we want to honor you with our lives. We want to pour out a drink offering to you, and we want that drink offering to be our lives. We want to give you everything. And so, Father, as we end this service, I just pray. 
God, that you would help us to do business with you. Somebody that doesn't have to rush out, Father, help us to do business with you. Because the last thing we want to do is be churchgoers. Last thing we want to do is just say, I went to church today. No, we want to get, we want every part of us to represent you and represent you well. It's in the beautiful name of your son, Jesus Christ, we do commit this time to you. Amen.